weird because you know in July, um, in July I uh, talked to my wife a little bit and said, you know, I, you know, we just kind of feel like maybe some something's up, something, some change is coming, and I'm not quitting by the way. Um, and usually, a lot of times, like when you feel change is coming, a lot of times, God, before something, you know, a next phase of somebody's life will take you to the desert. And if you've ever been to the desert, that's uh, you're in good company because that's where Moses got drug off to, you know, for forty years. Uh, that's where Elijah went. Uh, Jesus went to the desert for forty days. Paul. A lot of people don't know this, but Paul, after the, the moment where he gets saved on the on the road to. Uh, Whatever road he was on. Uh, Damascus, that one. Thank you. Thinking, wow, what road was that? Uh, he went to the desert for three years. Went to, you know, to Egypt. And, and that's where the Holy Spirit trained him. And so, you know, so this summer in some ways was a little bit like a desert. Because this was around July. And it was literally like the next week that my wife, or my wife, uh, my father calls me and says, Hey, your mom, uh, we took her to the emergency room uh, yesterday. And we're not really sure. So th- thus begins this kind of crazy journey that we had this summer. And, and, uh, and I'm still not exactly sure what is... Uh, uh, next or what is happening, but I'm really excited because I really feel like God has brought us here to this moment um, for something bigger than all of us together. Not maybe even as a group, but individually or whatever. I just feel like there's something big going on here, and what's so big about it is how small it is. Like, it's amazing that I just checked it yesterday, and like 950 people subscribe to our podcast, um, which is why it's important that it's recording, right, Ben? Because uh, uh, I get like, and I'll run into people like, oh, yeah, you know, I read your blog or this, and I don't know who's, because, you know, I just don't even, it doesn't occur to me, I'm writing for like you guys, you know, or I'm speaking for you guys, and I forget that... Um, that maybe there's something bigger going on, and so I think, I think... <laughs> Talking like my two-year-old daddy, I think. Um, I think that as we move into these next few weeks, I really was trying to seek the Lord as to what do we do? Like, how do we engage? How do we engage these 900 and some odd people that are listening to the podcast? I mean, I don't even subscribe for crying out loud, so I don't know who, who it is. Um, but there are folks out there that are listening. Um, we get folks downloading in, like, Iceland and Australia and... Uh, China, which I think is Megan, um, like 28 downloads, like Megan. Um, and so I guess what, just in general, like this is already kind of bigger than what we sometimes think, right? But I just wondered if, and this is kind of the idea that was tossed around inside of me, and I thought, how do we communicate the vision? Because kind of the struggle, so to speak, is are we a Bible study or are we a, uh, uh, social justice mission group, or are we a, you know, everybody really wanted us to be a church, and I've had a lot of people um, say that we're a church, and, and I don't mean whatever, guilty as charged, if we if gathering together and doing something for the body as a church, then absolutely, we just don't have a children's program and a youth program, and nobody gets paid, so um, whatever. You know, I just feel like we are just some believers that have gathered together maybe to hear the word, but it's just really hard to articulate in a sentence and in a, um, and so here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I really think the Lord is, you know, I prayed about it today and in between some of the meetings I was in and, and, and honestly up until a few minutes ago, I wasn't really even sure, should I share this? Should we do this? Should we go this way? But I really feel okay with it. I feel like it's cool to do it this way. But 
Here's what I think. In the next few weeks, we're starting over with the vision of what we've, what we're doing, with what we've done. Because in some time, I mean, people don't really understand what exactly has happened here. And for the benefit, maybe, of some of the folks that are listening online, that are listening through their podcasts, that are you know, that are reading the blogs or whatever. That maybe if we start over. And so my idea that I feel like is sort of God ordained is to take these next few weeks, we'll start with the vision of what does it mean, like where did the word conduit come from, how do we get here to where we are, and every week I'm going to try to keep it in time where we're going to write not only what we're going to talk about, I'm going to try to put it in a chapter form, and at the end of whatever, however many weeks it takes, you know, I really feel led to put it into book form, and to whether we self-publish whether we talk to him, I mean, the beautiful thing is we're with, you know, you could swing a dead cat down at Starbucks and hit three different guys that could get a book deal for us. So not that you'd want to do that with cats, but <laughs> ten drummers and three guys could get book deals. Um, and that's just at Starbucks. If you go to Panera, <laughs> anyway. Um, but the idea being this, okay, as I was on this, this journey this summer, in Africa, I met these people who didn't have a voice. Like, they couldn't tell their story because they didn't have any way to do it. They didn't even, you know, they were blown away by what a cell phone, you know. They're like, wow. Um, but maybe we can tell that story. Maybe we can motivate. And maybe, and I don't care if we give it away. I don't care if we, um, I mean, my, part of the idea was that if we do sell it, that we self-publish and just give the proceeds to conduit. Um because what do I care? You know, I mean, this is just the Lord's, what the Lord has done in us. And all we could really do is tell the story of what the Lord has done here. And maybe, just maybe, as that is spread out, whether, and it, part of the idea was like, what if we just give it away in an ebook? And ebooks are kind of dumb, right? Because, you know, basically you just have to print like 80 pages and it's never as cool. But we give them away if it's an ebook, right? So I, that the message of this can spread to other places. Already in our own town, um, the idea of, conduit is spreading our um, pastor here at our church uh, we kind of had this conversation ongoing of should we go to two services should we go to you know because we're literally sitting on top of each other our kids are like you know literally they're like laying our kids horizontally in here and stacking them no um but so this idea of what do we do do we go to two services and there was not any peace with that even though it felt like the only logical conclusion and so through a series of conversations, in fact, the pastor just said, hey, everybody, just pray and fast this week, and let's talk about some ideas. Um, if, what's the Lord saying to you? And a lady in the congregation wrote back um, and said, uh, is the question more services or more service was the subject line. And if what we need to do is make more room for people on Sunday mornings, then maybe what we do is our small groups will, 10 at a time, um, instead of coming to church, we'll have an assigned Sunday that we don't go to church on this Sunday. We'll come maybe grab some coffee, drop off the little kids, whatever. We'll take the older ones with us and go. And we've actually just kind of circled you know, a mile circumference of our church, and we'll start within that mile. And, and the beautiful thing is even with a mile of right here, there are people that, that don't know the Lord, that are in poverty, that uh, you know, there are nursing homes, there are places that need help. And so we're just going to start there, and we'll have missions on Sunday. We'll go, and instead of coming here, we'll go into the community, and we will be the church to those folks. 
you know, and we're not coming in as like the great white hope to save them. We're really coming in to serve and to, to stand beside and to, uh, to love the unlovable, you know, to love the lovable that just don't know. I mean, it's just, that's the whole goal of it. And so, and I don't know how it's going to work. It'll be really fascinating to see. But it was this idea, and we even talked about part of that idea was, you know, it's kind of being a conduit, a transfer of hope, you know, and we don't, haven't exactly decided on the name, but there's, the idea has been tossed around that we'll just go ahead and call it conduit, you know, on Sundays because it's, it's that into the community. And so, you know, I'm excited. So for the, we'll start there and then we'll go, we'll outreach a little further and then we'll stretch it further and, um, whether, you know, in our, you know, just in our town or our country, you know, I don't know. It's, I guess what's cool is that God is already moving people. And I know that at, uh, New River that I can't remember. I think is it Lindsay that some of the times goes downtown and and fascinatingly enough, and I feel like such a dork that I never even thought of this, but Sunday mornings is the hardest time to get volunteers for those types of ministries because everybody's in church on Sundays, and so it's cool to see these things happening right now, and, and I'm excited to see that grow and for the church to get to finally be the church, you know, not to go there but to be there and. Um, you know, I wrote about it a little bit this week. You know, we saw today, you know, I mean, I was shocked. But to see that the, the senators, I just thought it would pass, that bill, to, you know, the quote-unquote rescue plan. Um, and it didn't. And, and the good news is, is it gives them something to do besides gripe about, you know, Sarah Palin for the next 10 days. I mean, they'll, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll have something else to talk about, bless her heart, uh, <laughs> besides her. But, you know, it just didn't, it didn't happen. You know, nobody expected it, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's just day after day, all we see on TV is really bad news. We see Bill Maher, who is, um, boy, that guy is launching this documentary called, what is it, Religiosity? Have any of you guys seen this? Um, mocking us. And, you know, I, I guess that what, frustrates me is that some of the stuff that gets mocked in those situations, I mean, he's going for the throat. He's going for theology, right? And so it's like, yeah. but it's like what I would love to be able to see happen in our world, and this is a big dream, so who knows, right? Is that though for the church that maybe they can mock our whatever, our beliefs, but they can't mock our actions. Because um, you can make fun of whether I believe that Jesus rose from the dead Absolutely, I do. Make fun of it all day long. But to be able to put them... And Jesus said that, right? That they would hate us. That they would absolutely... Um, uh, so that we'd be handed over. I mean, all kinds of things that, that actually are happening in the world at large. But what I'd rather it be for is for our beliefs and not for our actions. Because um, a lot of our actions historically... And I say us. I don't know any of you guys. Maybe you've never done the bullhorn or whatever. But... Uh, but I just think it's time to put the bullhorns away and the protest signs and the uh, petitions and get our hearts out and go into the community and just go be the church. And so part of what Conduit was born out of was that idea, was that... Uh, does anybody... Like, I was driving through Minnesota with, with my family, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do next with our lives, and I was noticing this... Um, uh, what I was noticing was, anybody grew up in the farms? I mean, I know Topeka back here, but, you know, uh, <laughs> you know you've been around, and you know that when there's no water, you got to pipe it in, right? <laughs> how many people, how many people Topeka have? Yeah. 20, like 20,000 people in Topeka? 
thirty. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's no. You know what? They have a great zoo too. But in Kansas, it in just getting to Topeka, you see all around pipes of water coming in, and they're bringing water from one place and they're delivering it somewhere else, and they do it through pipes that are called conduit. And the image that I really saw in my mind was of delivering water. And I didn't even really understand like the biblical premise for it. It was one of those metaphors that felt right. Do you know what I'm saying? But then as I began to study it out in the Word, I saw that it was actually, it was right. But the metaphor of we are taking water from a place that has plenty and we're transferring it to a place in need. And in the first year of conduit, predominantly, primarily, that has been through our finances. And that is good, and it is as it should be. That our finances should be something that we are willing to part with and to share of, as Paul said, according to how we're able, right? And I don't know, statistically, if you know this, rich people give statistically, percentage-wise, far less money than people like you and I give. So this idea that we're going to wait till that, well, man, when I get that kind of money, when I win the lottery, I'll be able to give this much money. Yeah, right? That's true. But what if you don't ever get there, you know? And, and again, biblically, you know, this is a sound idea, but it just really plays out that most folks that are wealthy, percentage-wise, they don't even do it anyway when they get there. So we just, Paul just says, just start right now, right where you are. If you got a buck, absolutely, give a buck. If you got 10 bucks, give 10 bucks, whatever, according to how you're able. But as we unfold in the next few weeks, I mean, I have definitely have had some thoughts as to what that means and what it means to be able, right? But the resources is what we've given of. But when you look in Jeremiah chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, we actually are a Bible study that happens to like the Bible, right? And go to the Bible and use the Bible. Um, Jeremiah 2, verse 13, the Lord is speaking to Israel, and it's really fascinating because he says something to them. He says, my people have committed two sins in verse 13. One, they have forsaken me, forsaken me the spring of living water, and two, they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. He's basically suggesting to the people of Israel that, look, I'm over here, I got this water, so to speak. And the water, the idea of water is used over and over and over again in the Old Testament. The prophets used it over and over again. There was a prophecy that, that in Isaiah, I believe, 42, that there would be water. There would be the, a guy that would come forth and pour water upon the dry grounds and blessings. And water is this idea of, and if you lived, man, in Africa... There was not much water around. Like I remember looking at the, the kids eating their mutton and their you know their rice and their like banana mush and, and they were so happy with it, right? And I remember being like, Ugh. but God had blessed them and they were so thrilled. But the one day I noticed that the one thing they weren't doing was drinking anything. There were no cups. There was no there was limited amounts of water. And you and I in America cannot possibly understand really understand what it means to be that thirsty. You know, I've, you know, believe it or not, my size have, you know, ran the half marathon. I was really thirsty <laughs> at the end of that. Like, you could have struck a match on my tongue. Like, I was literally like, oh, you know, and I was drained. And in the desert areas, that's an idea 
that is painfully real. And it was a metaphor that God used to Israel to say, you're thirsty, I've got water for you. And spiritually what he's suggesting, that feeling that maybe you and I have felt in our past or maybe sometimes currently feel, is a lot like just being spiritually thirsty. And so he uses the picture of water. Now what he's using here is a picture of what's called a cistern, okay? A cistern isn't a pitcher, right? Like the Kool-Aid man guy, you know, pouring out, you know, whatever. It's not that. A cistern was like in, like in a rock wall. Like, for instance, here's a brick wall, right? It's a cement wall. But in a hard rock area, they would chisel and work and hew and sweat, back-breaking, pounding out a square hole that would be a cistern that they would put their water in. And they would build these walls to keep water in. And what the Lord was saying to them was, metaphorically speaking, you've hewn out these cisterns that don't even hold water to begin with. And that would be uber discouraging, right? You know, if you've ever worked really hard and you get to the end, you realize that I didn't quite do the project right. Or this is like I've spent days and weeks pounding at this rock and I get to the bottom and I realize that there's a hole in it. There's a crack and it doesn't hold water. And what God is saying is, look, Jack, over here, I'm like the living water guy, right? And so this picture of drying out, so he's basically saying, you've rejected me, you've turned your back on me, and you've dug out these cisterns. Here I am, the spring of water, but you've dug your own cistern so you could hold water, okay? Now follow me, I know this is, I'm going to tie this together, hopefully I'm going to tie this together. So in the New Testament, okay, what we see is this idea of water. And when you go to John, Jesus talks about it often, right? We've heard this, we've heard, you know, you maybe can think of the Sunday school, right? I remember the, the Samaritan woman, right, who came to the well. And she said, you know, and Jesus came and he was thirsty. He had traveled six hours and he was thirsty. And he had asked her to draw water. And she's like, you know, you're not supposed to be talking to me. Why are you? And I'm, the Samaritans were the, the unlovable people, right? They were the people that you and I might see that we might prejudge in a certain part of town or a certain, you know, status symbol or status of life that we might prejudge. That's what a Samaritan was. And Jesus says to her, you know, draw. And she says, how can I, you know, do that? You know, I'm a Samaritan. And he says to her, though, but he basically says, sister, you have no idea who you're talking to. Because if you did, you'd put down that bucket and you'd come to me and I would give you water that you might not thirst again. Water that would be uh, that would, uh, would uh, well up in eternal life, he said to her. So he draws from that picture and brings in this water idea. And then you go a little bit further down at the Feast of Tabernacles, which I believe is in John 7. And Jesus... How many Jewish people in here tonight? Logan's not here, so... Um, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just give you a quick update on what, a, what the Feast of Tabernacles was. Every year in October, there were three feasts, but in October was the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was when they would come together and they would remind themselves of when they were in the desert. And they would actually build tents. It was basically like a big camp out for the Jews. Okay? They'd come and they'd build tents out of like palm leaves. And they'd sleep in the tents. And they would remind themselves of being delivered when they were in the wilderness. Right? But right alongside of that, they would also celebrate this idea of God making water come to them in the wilderness. And so every day, the priest would take a pitcher of water and he would bring it down full of water. And he would pour it on 
the altar. And he'd be followed by, this was a path and a procession, and the, the worshipers would follow him, and he would pour the pitcher on it. So day one, he would do it. Day two, he would do it. Day three, he would do it. On day eight, okay, which was the end of the Jewish New Year, and they'd be singing from the book of Isaiah, a psalm, okay, about water and about the man who would come and pour water on dry grounds. And this is the psalm that they would be singing from Isaiah. But on that day, he would take a pitcher that was empty, and it was an idea and a picture that this water would one day be filled by the Messiah, by the guy that was coming. Now, parenthetically, the day before, Jesus is with his disciples and they're hanging out. And they say, look, the Feast of Tabernacles is tomorrow. You should go down there and publicly, this is the way to score a big following. They didn't have Fox News, right? Greta Van Susteren couldn't interview him. So instead of that, we'll go down and we'll make a big deal and you could get a big following. And, and Jesus, and I love this, he says, it's not time for me yet. You know, the day has not come. You guys go on ahead of me. And I love it because he said, the day has not come. And you look at it and the next day, it says he goes down. So apparently there was the next day, the day had come. But, 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 but. He went down, it says secretly. This is in John 7, I think 37 through 39. He went down secretly because their hearts weren't right. It was about, let's make a big splash. Let's be famous and let's go in there and, you know, maybe get one of those horses, you know, and it would be later that he would actually come in on the donkey and the disciples like, man, this is embarrassing. A donkey? But, so he's coming in secretly, okay? And on that day, this is the eighth day. And the priest has come down. The procession has begun. He's got the empty pitcher in his hand. Okay? The Feast of Tabernacles. And it's a symbol that basically says an empty pitcher. Another year has come. Another year the promise has not been fulfilled. Another year of empty. And he would go to pour this empty symbolically that someday that would be a pitcher filled by the Lord himself. And in the crowd, standing there, was Jesus, who speaks up and says, Hey! It says he cried out. Go there with me, actually. It says that he cried out. John 7, I think, 37. Yeah, it's 737. It's on page 945. On the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood, and it says he said in a loud voice, he's getting everybody's attention, okay? The worship is going on. We're looking for the Messiah. It's another year. It's empty. The promise has not been fulfilled. It becomes kind of solemn, and Jesus says, over here, if anybody is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him later were to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus, on the day, the eighth day, was saying, It's me, I'm the guy on the water, come to me and drink. And I love it because how do we drink from the Lord? He says, oh, we've got to just believe. That's drinking from the Lord. And from us, from you, from me, would flow rivers of living 
water. Of this he meant the Holy Spirit. The idea of conduit, guys, is not just about the money. It's very much about that, in that it's, we've given away over $30,000 this year. Kids are waking up in Haiti this morning again, having breakfast. They're going to school. There are things that are happening right here in our own town that are happening because we have hap- we've helped to resource them. That's an important part of it. But what it's the bigger picture that I don't want us to miss is that it's about the rivers of living water that would flow from within us of the, that he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I was growing up, what that meant was that we would have a whole lot of gifts of the Spirit. There'd be a lot of praying in tongues and running around laps and people falling, and, and we'd have fun with it. That's what it meant to me. But what I've seen even more, and, and, I, and if you've been around me, you know that I, I, mean, I do believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and I believe that it says that all those things, if you don't have what? Love. It's like a clanging cymbal. If you've been at some of those services, you know that's really loud and very annoying because it just felt like a clanging cymbal, right? The true result of the Spirit flowing from in me is going to be love. And I'm going to take it a step further and say not just love like ooey-gooey, hold hands and sing, you know, I'd like to buy the world a Coke and teach the world to sing or whatever that... Well, that's a commercial before your time. But when I was a kid, that was the commercial. It's not just that, right? That the, the, uh, the, the, the we can all get along, right? Uh, it's not just even so the denominations can get along and we can love each other. Love is when somebody is sick, we do something about it. Like, I love my family. And, I, you know, Shannon and I have both been puked on. We've both been pooped on, <laughs> peed on. <laughs> But we love our family. We love our kids. And when you love them, you just do that kind of stuff. It's a result of what's going on inside of us. My kids got up this morning and they had breakfast. And you know why? Because I love them. And it's an option in my house that we have food to eat. Because I love them. The idea of a conduit is this. The walls of a cistern hold in the water. Okay, And what Jesus, using this picture, is suggesting to you and I that the walls of our church, the walls of even our right and wrong, okay, our idea of what's right and what's wrong, we build these walls that you've got to come to us past these walls to a place where oftentimes when we go to church, we're, what? we're kind of pretending to be somebody we're not, really, because we want to be spiritual, we want to give off that certain air of who we are, and we don't want anybody to know who we really are, and and I just think that God said, man, knock that crap out. Let's tear down the walls, so to speak. That sounds like a good power team thing, huh? Let's, let's not store it up inside of here and then make people come to us to get the water, right? It's saying that we, it's a flow. It's like, okay, we're over here, we're building, we're, we're building our systems and our structures and our policies and our procedures and our programs. And all of a sudden, all these walls are up around us that are holding the water in. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't do... You yourself, me, I am a conduit of water of the Holy Spirit that I can then take it to the people. And that's going to look like many different things. 
in a nursing home to the unlovely, to the people there, it's going to look like one thing. To the children in Africa, it looks like another thing. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit because he'll lead us in that process. The problem that I had, I guess, my whole life was I just thought I got saved so I didn't have to go to hell. Like, that's what... And you know how it is when you're in seventh grade, or actually I was in fifth grade, and the keyboard is playing, you know, and it was all like, and then you, you get that idea, and sometimes, quite honestly, we might even oversimplify it just so we can get more people to raise their hands. This idea that, well, all you got to do is say this simple prayer, and then you will not have to go to hell and burn forever. In. I'm in. <laughs> I don't want to burn. And that hurts, you know? What with all the poking and the, you know, the pitchforks and stuff, whatever happens down there, I don't know. And it's not just that. It's not being saved specifically from something. It's into something else. We're actually brought into this adventure. And I guess what I figured out finally, I feel stupid that it took this long, you know, 37 years old, I'm halfway to cheap coffee at McDonald's. Actually, I'm over halfway. <laughs> and it's good coffee these days. I'm pretty fired up to go hang out with the old people and read the newspaper and drink the coffee. But it took me this long to figure out that I didn't just sign up for a club. Like, this is actually supposed to be, in the words of the great poet Stephen Curtis Chapman, a great adventure. Like, this is supposed to be more than that. You know, I don't have a horse or whatever, but but it's supposed to be a life. Jesus came to give me life, to give you life, and to have it more abundantly. And somehow, if you walk away from your church setting, if you walk into your everyday life and you don't feel it, then I suggest maybe you got a cistern that you got to get rid of. Break it apart. And Jesus, the whole time, we're over there, we're building it out with all of our works, all of our hard efforts because we got to have this structure and these rules and these policies. I mean, I remember going to Bible college and never really thinking about the irony that we had to wear uh, nice dress pants and shoe, you know, nice dress shoes and our hair had to be above the collar and you'd walk down the hall and see a picture of Jesus with long hair and open-toe shoes. Think, wait a minute, that's the guy we're following. No, no one else figured out the irony in this? Because we wasted all that time on those rules and it became... This thing that was about keeping people out and not allowing people in. Your truth, and I'm not suggesting that there isn't truth and there isn't good and there isn't evil, but we sometimes get so focused on that that it's about labeling stuff to the point where it adds these obstacles to get to the Father. And quite honestly, our truth, if it doesn't lead them to grace, maybe we got the wrong truth. Right? If truth leads them to condemnation and to fear and it leads them away from the Father, then maybe our truth is not quite accurate if you, if you, if you smell what I'm stepping in. But what conduit was born out of was this idea that I personally was feeling, this restlessness. And I'd spent five years with Shannon. We were doing the youth ministry at a great church with a great pastor. And I remembered I would you know, do the altar call and and, and I honestly, earnestly meant it. I, I thought, oh, you know, I had this idea that I had to get these kids to get saved. I had to, you know what I mean? And so I would, you know, figure out different ways to communicate it. And, and sometimes it involves scaring them, you know, scare the hell out of them, right? Literally. And I think 
that maybe I might have missed the point. Because the fact was that those numbers were great, and I got to get a high five from the pastor, and sometimes he'd talk nice about me on Sundays. We had a bunch of kids get saved, you know, whatever. But what I was really missing was I was not in. I was not inviting him to follow the Lord. I was inviting him to, quote, get saved. And I was just only doing half of the thing. It was only half of what needed to really be done, which was to invite them into this life and life more abundantly. And quite honestly, I didn't have to close the deal. A lot of times we feel this pressure that I've got to close the deal. I've got to preach. I've got to get this guy saved so he doesn't die and go to hell. My friend is sick, and if I don't get her saved, then she, you know... The, man, the Lord, it says it's his kindness that draws us to repentance. All I have to do is go be Jesus to that person and let the Holy Spirit close the deal. There's no pressure in that. There's freedom, quite honestly. <clears throat> and this ability that I can say to you, yeah, this is, this is who I am and this is what, you know, when that moment comes when I get to share my faith or whatever, but it isn't about going down on the street corner with my tracks and my bullhorn to get a bunch of names and numbers. I just get to go be Jesus, and people just get saved automatically with that because I am being a conduit of the Holy Spirit into my world, my job, my family, my life all around me. And when that living water flows from within me, not just me doing the gifts of the Spirit and throwing my coat and blowing people and throwing them down or whatever, not just that, right? Maybe that's the Lord. I don't know. I mean, it's above my pay grade. Well, I'll get to, here's the good news. We get to heaven, we'll figure out that all of us were just a little bit wrong. So you know, we don't have to get uptight about it. We don't have to get wound up over it. You know, sometimes I do have a good laugh at it. But I'm just saying, I don't have to get wound up over it. But what I'm saying is that we get to go out and be that to each other in the community. And as that happens, man, the Lord will close the deal for us. It's amazingly freeing, right? Because I'm out there, I mean, when I was in high school and I went on a missions trip, I went into these communities that were full of kids that were starving, that had no clothes, had no resources. We'd come in and we'd do our little skit. I was Satan. Ah. And we'd get a bunch of people to raise their hands and we'd write down on a little card and we'd go back and report and then we'd go home and say, yeah, those people got saved. It was awesome. And, and not that I don't want to discount the whole thing, but I'm saying that those people when I left were still hungry. Still don't have any place to live. And nobody was following up to make sure of anything about them. And maybe I just missed the point. If I'm going to, let me put it this way, okay? If we're going to spend that kind of energy, you guys that are going to Haiti, the guys, you know, you're going again in, you know, November. If the Lord is calling you to different places, let's do what the Word says and redeem the time and be effective with our time. And to, to be not about big numbers, but quality numbers of us actually going in and changing people's lives. Because the fact is, is that if the Holy Spirit is really flowing from us, all right, our influence on the world makes it a better place. And we'll unpack this in the weeks and the months to come. But a conduit, your body in and of itself, what are we? We are the body of Christ. My body is a conduit for the ideas of my head. If my head had some great ideas, but I was paralyzed, I couldn't do anything about it. If I didn't have a body, if I were like that dude on the, uh, oh, that was just a hand, right? On the Adams family. But anyway, um, if I were just a head sitting on a platter, I can't, that's, I'm, not real, I'm not real useful, right? I, got not, I mean, I can, I can talk. I can, I can be really funny maybe even. But I can't do anything. 
And what Jesus has really done is create you and me to be a conduit of his ideas, his promises, his blessings to the world. The world of Franklin, the world of Antioch, the world of Nashville. That's what we're doing. And Jesus is saying, look, don't get your cisterns and store it up. Because I don't know if you've been around like a, a, like a, <laughs> like a cow pond, like where there's no real fresh water flowing in. We store up this water. And let me tell you what, it smells not good. Okay, When you store up water and there's not a flow going through you, okay? Uh, and again, just, you know, next time you go by a little pond that doesn't have any fresh water about, I don't know, come about August, take a good whiff of that, right? And that's what we can't afford to be, is a cistern that's holding the water of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And it takes faith, because if I'm out there giving it away, my faith is that there's more coming behind it. That the water downstream is still flowing. I can give it away knowing that there's more to come. And the beautiful thing is that it's pure. It's bubbling. I mean, if you've been by a bubbling brook before, right? I mean, it's kind of nice. It's kind of relaxing. It's refreshing. It's a river of living water that flows from within us. Not just the gifts of the Spirit. Again, I don't mean to diminish. I don't mean to make fun of. Not just that. I guess I just I say that because I spent so much time, and that's all we were concerned about was, man... You've got to get more of the gifts in your church. We've got to see the gifts flowing, right? That's all we thought about. And I say to you, sure. And you've got to have love. Because you're looking for the, the sign of the Spirit in you. It's not tongues. It's love, right? We can split hairs all day long on tongues, and I've, I believe in it. I believe that's a part of the Word. But I'm suggesting to you that if that's all it is, the steam, and I've joked about this before, you know, the steam, the air, like it blows the horn on the train, okay, right? So you can toot in tongues all day long, honk, honk. But if that's all you do is just sit with your train and park and honk the horn, you've missed the point, right? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the steam that, that powers the whole thing. It actually says in Acts that the power of the Spirit came upon them to be witnesses, right? To be my witnesses in the world. And so the Holy Spirit, this is what he says, that you will have, he says, if anyone is thirsty, and if you're thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever, and this is how you drink, whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit. And I suggest to you tonight, and again, we'll talk in the weeks to come, that the proof of the Spirit, it says it in Galatians, you don't, I mean, I'm, make, I'm not making it up. Galatians says that the fruit of the Spirit, the proof of an apple tree, singular. And then it goes on to say love and then joy. Peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness. Love is the fruit. Long-suffering, kindness, patience. That's the texture, the color, the feel, the smell, the taste of love. It's the description of love. And so I would say to you tonight that what we're doing here at Conduit is we're not building out another cistern. We're not working to build programs and policies and procedures. I'm just saying to you, Come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> the Spirit wants to flow through you. The Spirit wants you and me 
to let it flow through to the other side, through our love, through our, and right where you are in your own world, in your own job, in your own family, and, and, and listen to the Spirit because I, it, it grows from there. I mean, when we started this thing, I had no idea what was going to happen. I just knew that we just, let's just give it a try. That's what the Lord said to do, and I didn't have it figured out, and the cool thing was is I didn't have to. And in my day job in the music business, that kind of sucks because we have to figure it all out. I have to have a plan. You've got to have a little, you've got to have a vision statement, whatever. I mean, we didn't have any of that. We just had a picture and a place to meet and an idea. And we just thought, well, let's just run with it. And the idea has been very fluid. It's grown. It's adapted. It's changed, just like water flowing through. So the idea of a conduit is that. And as this year grows on, what I want more than anything is for all of us to get in the game and to understand that it isn't about us having to go be a missionary and move to Africa and you know wear no makeup and long dresses and you know whatever or you, whatever your picture that's what my picture of a you know of a missionary was, um, but we're on a mission and that is to live life abundantly and that you and I can actually be an agent of change in this world. It isn't about our political affiliations. It isn't about which candidate's going to win or not going to win. I guarantee you, I'll tell you this, I'm going to make a guarantee right now. One of them is going to win, okay? That's all I can say. One of them is going to win, right? Very deep, but one of them is going to win. And whichever one it is, I don't know. Beats me. All I know is that God's will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and you and I can live in this world and not be of it, and we can actually go in and be agents of change. And while everybody's sitting around on their, you know, talking heads on the TV trying to figure out whether the economy is going to survive or not, you and I can live life abundantly in our communities and bring hope at a time when I promise you a nation that's going to need hope more than it's ever needed hope before. The great America, right, on the, on the verge of a financial thing that we don't know what's going to happen, right? This is uncharted territory. We can talk Great Depression all day long, but we weren't trillions of dollars in debt back then as a nation. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. I do know this is going to happen. We're going to be the church, and we're going to thrive in it. And we're going to impact the world around us. Uh, anyway, I, I didn't mean to go Babylon, but it's good stuff. It's just, I, I guess, when you finally think, like, and maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm just the last guy to the parade on this one, you know, like, like, duh. But I didn't just join a club. Like, I have attached myself to a, a vine, and now I'm going to produce fruit. Fruit that will last, Jesus said. And that fruit is what draws people in. It's what feeds them. It's what, you know, we talk about fruit and we say, well, that's, if you get a lot of people saved, that's, quote, a lot of fruit. That's a fruitful ministry. Except that's not what the Bible calls fruit. The Bible calls fruit love. So if we have a lot of love that is going to feed and clothe unlovable people, people that might even not be very nice, right? But as we do that, that fruit, man, that speaks. And Bill Maher can make fun of our theology all day long, but... By God, he's not going to be able to make fun of our, the way that we live and the way that we are existing in this world, at least not this little group, not our little band of warriors, right? So let's pray. Let's pray for Jeremy uh, that he doesn't get the Lyme disease. I don't mean to make fun of it. That's actually it's, it's not, not good. Uh, they don't think it's Lyme disease from Jeremy, so we won't pray that. <laughs> Amen, God. Thank you, Lord. Like Gregor, we totally like give that as a testimony. Oh, thank God you didn't get me. Um, thank you so much, Lord. Uh, for the life that you've given us. 
And could this Lord be something that could actually become alive and real to all of us? That we could become contagious in this? That we might have your spirit that would flow through us. And if it's the gifts of the spirit, absolutely so be it, Lord. We're here for you. If it's the results of the spirit, absolutely, Lord, then we're here for you. To let your love, your ideas, your implementation flow from us, through us. God, I know that as you flow through us, we actually have enough for ourselves. Our purpose, our purpose is fulfilled as we do that. You said that we would have to lose our life in order to find it, and I'm just reminded of that tonight. God, that we could lose our life. And the irony being that we find it, we find so much joy, we find so much encouragement in that. And God, give us wisdom, give us ideas, creativity as we move forward through this book idea. Lord, this isn't about us making a big name for ourselves. We just want this idea, this concept, and this message to get out from outside of just this wall. We're already seeing it happen. I know it's already happening in a lot of places, but could it happen everywhere, God? That we could all in America stop missing the point. It wasn't about building a big building and a multi-million dollar whatever, but it was about you. We don't need another church, God. We need us to be the church that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> That's the idea. We're not to be cisterns. And uh, we'll talk more next week about maybe exactly what that looks like. You know, I, I still think that when, when Paul said, according to what you're able, I tend to go on the, well, that's all I'm able to do. You know, I only make this much money, that's all I'm able to do. But when you look at what Paul also said, he says, with Christ we're able to do all things, right? And I think that inside of each one of us are ideas that are seeds that are waiting to grow from the Spirit. I love it when I read about companies that are started that are, you know, I mean, you know, Paul Newman, for crying out loud, gave away $250 million from salad dressing, okay? I don't even know if he knew the Lord, let alone like the Lord. But I would say that in our world, in our church, in you, in me, are ideas. Think about it. A year ago, conduit was just an idea. $30,000 later, kids in you know, Haiti later, just an idea. And I don't take credit for it. It's just the Lord, right? So what's in you? What's, if we all go with not with the what I'm able, that's all I'm able to do. I'm just this, you know, I don't really, I'm not that smart. I'm not, you know. Man, God says you're able, right? You're able. And I guess what I would say, and we're going to talk a lot next week, is on the let's err on the, on the positive side of able, right? On what it really means to be able and what it is inside of each one of you. I mean, I met 12-year-old kids in Africa who were the head of their households, okay? Whose parents had died, who were feeding their younger brothers and sisters. So I want you to know that this idea that you're young and you ain't able to do much, screw that, okay? Because I've seen it face-to-face. And when we're under the gun, there's a, we can do a whole lot more than we think we are. So I'm saying to you, you're able to do more than you think you are. So think about that. We're going to talk more about it next week um, as we unfold.
this these next few weeks. So, um, and the idea being, honestly, if we get the 900 and some odd people that are on the outside of here, you know, we'll let this part off. But the 900 and some odd people out of here that are suddenly get the idea and maybe.